0: Welcome back to The Producer Podcast. I'm your host, Micah Versman, and today on the show, we're trying something new. Today, we're excited to be hosting our first roundtable discussion as we look at the world of promo filmmaking and dealing with problem clients. Joining me today, we have Sarah Burnett, producer at RealCast Productions, and Ethan Hill of Light Symphony Creative. With that said, let's jump in and get things started. Thanks for coming on the show today.
1: Hey, sure thing, glad to be here.
2: Thanks for inviting me, Micah.
0: So I thought maybe to break the ice, I would just kind of throw out if anybody has any, like, problem client or client horror stories they're willing to share, you know, without mentioning names and stuff. uh,
1: Those don't exist, do they? (laughs) I wish. Uh, Yeah, I'll go ahead and go first. So, and this was semi-recent, but I had a large, it's an international client, and I was working on a, like a training video with them. And everything was going seemingly fine until we started getting into the editing, and I'd send them an edit, they'd send back revisions. And we were into like the third round of the edit, and they sent me back this list, and it was numbered, 35 edits that they had for this five minute video. And I was like, what did I get myself into? And that's, that's one that definitely stands out in my mind. And I think I figured out what my problem was going into it, but I think I'll save that for later. Cause we're probably going to touch on how to deal with problem clients later.
2: I think our most memorable moment was, um, when we had pitched one of our biggest promo budgets a while back and we worked super hard on this project. Um, some just major scenes and actors and props and wardrobe all this stuff coming together and we sent them the video and they were like kind of unhappy so we made them a cut that they were happy with we thought and um so they used it and I have a background in marketing too so of course I was watching like how it was released and it was kind of concerning how it was being released um and then payment didn't show up for I think eight months and we had to renegotiate the whole back end of delivery and what they got and didn't get. And anyway, that was fun. Mm. We, anyway, I think like for us, our contracts are a reflection of many client stories. So there's different (laughs) lines. So we have thankfully remedied that issue in our um, contracts now. And yeah.
0: All right. Yeah. And then I guess one, I have, um, from my early days I got hired by this uh local business cuz I had a mutual connection there to do a kind of community relations piece to them and uh I don't know if it was just the personality of like their marketing person or if it was because of my age cuz I was really young and getting started at the time but like they were that micromanager you know, type where like they had to sit in on all the interviews and then they had to be interviewed themselves to make sure certain things were said a certain way and would end up in the video. And it was just super stressful, odd set, like trying to plan and coordinate and work with them and everything. So that's definitely one of my standout ones. Uh,
1: Yeah, I can relate. so
0: i guess maybe kind of a uh a jumping off point then would be in your time working with clients have you begun to pick up like are there certain red flags that you can kind of watch for uh that if you're seeing these maybe it's a client you even if they have the money and that would be nice you don't want to work with because they could become one of those problem clients
1: Yeah, I guess one of them for me is, and I, I guess, it's, yeah, it's a warning sign, a red flag is find out if you're dealing with the, the actual person in charge or the person who is the decision maker. Because often, and it is can be difficult to find this out up front, but if you're dealing with someone who's reporting to somebody else and they've got this vision for the project and you're working with them and they've got ideas and you could go through and you shoot the project, you edit the project and they're happy with it. Well, then they go back to their boss and say, hey, we did the project, here it is. And the boss is like, no, 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 it was supposed to look like this, 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 and this. And then you've got a disconnect between the guy who's actually, you know, footing the bill, who's had the vision originally, and the person you're actually working with to pull it off. So I think that's something, if you can make sure that you're working with the person who's actually calling the shots, that will cut out a lot of, a lot of issues along the way.
2: I 100% agree with that. Yeah that's and that can sometimes be really hard because the higher up the chain you get the more busy they feel and they're like why do we have to be at this meeting or that because we emphasize pre-production a lot in our process and so they can sometimes be like why do I have to be here so um we try to be really respectful of that time but still like yeah if you want to comment later in this process then we would love to have your comments earlier in this process (laughs) so true um the other one one of ours has been we've historically seen if we've changed certain terms of our contract especially the payment schedule that has kind of played out into issues down the road so we just do a really clean 50 up front on almost every project and when the money is in hand then we start planning the project and i think that barrier of entry has really helped us and prevented us because anytime i try to schedule anything before that money is in hand or whatever the pieces are, we usually have some other breakdowns. It's it's not actually you know, it's not just about the money for us. It's about serving the client well. Um, but there's just a level of commitment from every, every party involved that, that once that transaction has happened, then people are they're on to you almost like, hey, are are we all working on this project? And it helps bring a unity to that, that when we're before that point, it's just really hard sometimes to get the project even going.
1: Yeah, and I think springboarding off of that, I 100% agree. But for some reason, there's also a, uh, it seems like the lower paying clients can often be the most difficult to work with. So sometimes just the budget or the, that can be a red flag in and of itself going into the project if you're like, okay, so they've got this expectation. And that's another thing, uh, the conversation on the budget can be super awkward or people don't like to bring it up early on in the process, but super important just to make sure you're on the same page. Uh, for some reason, a lot of people are hesitant about it. And I understand it's not, it's not super fun to talk about, but as I uh, had a business coach who was like, you know, it's only awkward if you're awkward about it. So just be open about it. Make it fun. It's one of the things I like to say going into it is like, okay, so what are we looking at? Is this like a Super Bowl budget project or is this local TV? <laughs> what are we looking at here? Uh, so just making it fun, going into it. And uh, yeah, that can give you a good indicator of where they're coming from. Because for some reason, lower budget clients, not always, but can often be... Uh, very much just shopping for price, trying to get the cheapest and trying to get the best for the buck, and not always uh, trusting of you to pull off the best possible result or trusting your, your skills in what you're good at.
0: So, I want to jump back. I kind of have a follow up question to when you guys were talking about being in, making those sure those decision makers are in the room. Um, on a more recent project, I. It was the first time that I had, like, multiple decision makers. Usually I'm working with businesses that just have that one guy. And it was hard at times because, you know, you have three, four, five different opinions. You know, you have some people that are older and they're not as up on, you know, the video side of marketing. And then you have your younger ones. So how do you deal with working with, like, multiple decision makers
2: we actually had this recently on a project um so there's the marketing director and then there was the director who was actually writing the checks and so um in that sometimes it's like for us it's been figuring out the company hierarchy like there is somebody at the end of the day it lands on and if there isn't we kind of push them to like hey like who's who's that person Um, And so on that project, there wasn't always agreement within their team. But we would kind of wait in silence until the person writing the checks, like agreed to what their people were saying, and then kind of worked with that. And um, it was like, like you're saying, for us, it was one of the, it was a little bigger company situation than what we're, we're dealing with on a day to day basis. And so like, if they trust their people, and that's how they want it. Like, we're there to serve their vision and who their audience is, and so just letting them kind of have a little bit of that conversation. Well, I mean, we still had those things of like, this is gonna have to happen by here, like logistically for this project to work. Or if we pull this from the video, we're not accomplishing the vision that you guys set out from the beginning to make. So like, we're still part of it, but at some of those like different conversation points, if it's not directly affecting our process, then just kind of letting them have a moment. And then they'll usually come around and be like, okay, so I think what we'll do is, and then having that has been helpful that's how we kind of navigated
1: that one yeah for sure and i think just getting if you have multiple decision makers just getting them all in the same room in pre-production and letting them hash it out because i've been in some where i was called in to do one project but then once everyone was in the room and we're talking about it i'm just sitting back and the other the other folks are you know arguing about what is this project what's it actually going to look like what are we actually making here and I'm just like, okay, this is good to know. I'm taking notes uh, and then see where they finally land. And it's at that point that you can start to, to really explore what it's going to look like. But they have to be agreed on some sort of a vision going into it. But like Sarah said, there is ultimately one decision maker who's probably paying the bill or or uh, who's at the top. And so just making sure that what you finally are working on lines up with what his vision is or her.
0: So another kind of staying with kind of like... The red flag uh, type thing I've run into is sometimes when you're working with those companies that are new to video realm, either because they've never worked with somebody outside their company or they've just never done anything before. Sometimes some of those red flags, at least to me, aren't really red flags. It's just they don't know any better. So how do you judge? Like, is it actually a red flag or are they just not educated enough.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think one of the big things that I've been learning as I go through running my my little production company is that as the the owner, as the producer, you really are the leader who's guiding the client through this process because you're the professional in this field. Uh, They, I mean, they're the pros at what they're doing, but you've really got this domain and this is what you do best. So really taking the lead, guiding them through the process so that they know what's going on every step of the way and there's no miscommunication throughout any part of it i'm getting off track with your question but uh telling whether or not something is actually a red flag or not uh, i think definitely leading them through the entire process so that i've got a uh, project exploration like question list of questions hanging on my wall that i reference for every new project just so that um, we're on the same page as to every aspect of the project whether it's the uh the overall vision, the purpose of the project, the call to action, the return on investment, the budget, any of that stuff. It's out in the open. We have it, we have it down and we we've got you know mutual understanding on what the project's gonna be.
2: Yeah, I think for us, um, so like one thing for us is we love saying yes to our clients and we love serving our clients, right? And so that then has created like different boxes or deadlines of like we need this by this and this by this and this by this to serve you best right and so allowing like we try not to very often say like no we just don't want your project instead we try to say it will cost this much we'll need this by this deadline you need to come to these two meetings and so red flags for us um, usually happen within like the projects just gonna get canceled then because they're not meeting our normal process and so like i 100 percent agree with what ethan said meeting them through that process so just on the phone okay yeah so you know being very clear with deadlines we call it deadlines dollars oh john clay has a third one uh deadlines dollars i think it's delivery is it delivery there you go so he has these three and so like again we On the first phone call, if we can start to see some of that coming together, then we'll move forward. And um, so we actually have had, so we had one client who wanted some videos and they didn't have like a marketing team. And they ended up being too busy to really use the videos effectively. But they actually were a decent client and they were happy with the work we did and paid us. And we were able to make some videos for them that had heart in them and all of that. And so that was one of those situations of like, because we stuck to our process, I feel like it was a mutually good experience, even though the end result may not have been what we would have wanted as far as how far the videos got or whatever, because they didn't end up posting them and using them that way. But um, so for us, like, we don't use red flags very often to turn it down. We just have our set timeline and things and we need those things to match up and we'll keep moving forward if that makes sense. Mm-hmm.
0: So essentially, like, the client's going to be the one to almost leave the project as opposed to you guys having to walk away from it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And just the whole process of leading the client or educating the client, uh, just to go back to that, I think that a lot of the issues that come up are a result of, usually any client issue I can trace back to some lack of leading or communication on my part where I didn't clearly set that expectation up front or I miscommunicated or I didn't communicate at all on this topic so they went in with a certain expectation I went with a certain expectation and then it wasn't met on either side and so the clearer you can be up front the more communication you have or the better you can do to lead them we usually think of the producer as you know leading the video crew or whatever on the production side but it's not so much at least I don't tend to think of it as much as leading the clients through it. And I think that's a super important part that I'm still I'm still learning, but I think it uh yeah it definitely pays off when dealing with clients and getting through trouble clients.
2: And one thing I'll add to that too is like, um I like the way you said that, Ethan. And I think people they gravitate towards good leadership. It it actually relieves them. These are very busy people. They're running companies and they need the video process to be easy. That's why they came to you, because you're a professional, you've done this before. And so um, if you can find those ways to lead and take a burden off of them, cause we don't just want like a great video that they don't feel like the process was fun to get there. Like the process can be fun and film, In I mean, film is hard and film is fun and so leading them through and giving them like okay we're going to nail this down and this down and we're going to explore story here and we're going to do mood boards here and they start to get a vision for their project like I think they actually start to enjoy it and that's also part of the goal there's no reason that video has to be painful for everyone and a lot of that just comes with knowing your process and allowing them to actually be part of it not just going to a back room and creating something and coming out with something they had no vision for
1: so true
0: yeah, no, it's it's super important, uh, and I guess just to tie in, since you were talking about kind of, Ethan, uh, you know, how you can usually look back and see the problems arose a lot of times because you weren't communicating or educating uh, with a client in the right way. Like, the example I gave earlier on, that that was looking back, but being a beginner filmmaker, I didn't know any better. I think that would have solved a lot of it for me because the whole time on that project I was just working through the contact I knew at the business who was still kind of involved because they worked in the area that the video was on but I was like never directly in contact with that marketing person for the company and so I think that probably would have solved a lot of those issues if I would have asked to be put in touch with them and could have actually talked with them over what we were all planning to do
1: yeah that's great isn't it great looking back and seeing oh if i had just done this differently everything else would have just fallen into place
0: yeah, it it is
2: and i have something to add on that so we had a recent project with a very consistent client of ours so we have a history we've worked with multiple people in the organization for different departments and purposes And um, I, you know, the lessons you think, you know, and you get into a project and you realized you missed a little piece. So they actually had some transition in their departments. And so some of the people on the project were not people that we had worked with prior to that. And so I thought that I had educated this organization on our video process um, because we'd done it so many times. And so I would hit a hiccup um, with someone who was new and to me, it was like, well, this is like an established client. Like even when I thought about the project, we have a process, we know how this works, we all show up at meetings, we do the stuff, we get the project meet. And so it was really good reminder to me um, that when new people come onto the project, it doesn't matter if they're from an organization that knows you and loves you, you still have to educate them on the process. And so looking back, that was recently, I'm like, I, I could have done a better job. Like I could have been more clear just because some of them were new and they were very responsive when we addressed the issues. They were great and we still have a great relationship with them. It wasn't that level of issue, but there were just moments that it was like, oh yeah, this person's never made a video before with a production company. They don't, they haven't done this. So that was a good reminder to me, like even though our contract says the decision maker has to be in the room and all those things, we siren. we just learned through that to make sure to educate every person who's part of the process not just the organization as a whole
1: that's good
0: so how do you kind of handle that like if maybe there's a new person but then there's also like one or two people you've worked with before so like those people don't feel like why are we you know doing this hour-long meeting we know all this stuff but you know to this one or two new people it's like really helpful to them like how do you make that work or or balance that
2: so on that project um I was kind of playing catch up a little bit of like I would call them on the phone as the deadline approached and we weren't hearing anything and be like hey just curious about this. And then it was like, oh yeah, I haven't. And when people aren't hitting deadlines, there's multiple reasons. And in this case, it was just because they didn't understand. They didn't understand the process. It was unknown to them. It was maybe, it just made them, I don't know. I mean, I avoid things that I'm not comfortable doing. And so I feel like sometimes those delays can be a sign that maybe they could use a little bit of coaching or encouragement. Um, that this is going to work, that this is helpful for this, like more of that process. So on that one, I ended up kind of educating as we went. Um, the only problem was then the decision maker wasn't present. So I think in the future, like I would do just like I do in our meetings, like a very clear timeline of the pieces I need and then follow up. Like I don't mind educating off of on on the side, but to make sure the decision maker knows what has to happen by what deadlines because she was passing it to somebody she thought knew and I was I was working with someone I thought and it was just a lot of new all happening and not a good communication so I think that there is a need for it all to be outlined to the decision maker um and as much as possible having the decision maker educating their staff so if they want to say oh yeah we know all this I'll take care of this with so and so afterward okay great but um it was more clear communication on deadlines and timelines and what pieces are needed when, um, with the decision maker there, because the decision maker at the end of the day is responsible. Um, and then if they want to educate, like there's, I don't mind educating, but it needs to happen in a format where it doesn't change all the deadlines and things.
1: Yeah, no, I'd agree. And I think just making sure, yeah, that you're with the decision maker, uh, and with everyone in the general, in the general meetings leading up to it. And then if you need to do breakouts or one-on-ones with someone to, to catch them up on your process or how, how, uh, it usually flows. And that's, that's definitely something that you can do. I've done that as well. You jump on a zoom call and just explain what's going on to someone who, who wasn't in the loop or who wasn't there. Uh, it would be great if the decision makers would always, you know, over communicate with everyone on their staff. Sometimes that doesn't always happen. So being, being willing, able to jump in there and, and uh, make sure everybody's on the same page but yeah just making sure if there's any major decisions or any updates or changes that you're in the room with everyone who needs to hear it not one-on-one with someone who's who's just in the process
0: so because obviously like sometimes you don't realize a client's maybe gonna have be a problem or have problems until like you're in the middle of production or post-production or whatever uh so like at that point you know what do you do is it mainly just like force a smile and you know get through the project as quick as possible and you know never work with the client again or i don't know
1: yeah i think it's a constant (laughs) learning process for me uh and contracts are definitely helpful so having something in place where you're stating the The number of revisions, the edit round, scope creep, having all that stuff laid out. Most of that you learn as you go. Like, okay, this is a problem. We need to add that to our contract. Like Sarah says, her contract's a reflection of all their problem clients in the past because they really do get updated with every issue you run into. You realize, you know, we need to say something about this. But then it's also helpful because when you're in that situation, you can point to the contract as a third party almost and say, well, per our contract, we usually do it like this or we need to do it like this so that you don't necessarily have to Play the bad guy, but you've got something else you can point to. Uh, but then also, and I think Sarah had touched on this: never tell your clients no. Just give them an option or a choice. So, if they're wanting to change up the project or add on, you know, can we do a social media edit on this? Be like, yes, we'd love to, but we will need to change. You know, maybe we'll have to cut the graphics animations uh, just so we can stay on timeline within budget and all that. Give them an option of something they want to do. Um, you tend to have three main variables, time, money, and uh, deliverables. So if there's any way that you can adjust or juggle the three of those, uh, either it's cutting time, adding money, or changing the deliverables so that you can fit within what, what their vision or what their desire is for the project. There's usually some way to work it out without having to turn something down or uh, change, it, change it up too much.
2: Uh, I agree with that. One thing I think that has helped us too, and Ethan kind of mentioned this with having contracts, is that um, we present ourselves as a production company and we are giving them a product. And so I think that creates a little bit of distance. Like it's not just like, hey, can you fit something in? You know, can can you give me one more deliverable on your lunch break today? Like, it's not it's not about the people. It's not about John Clay in the editing room. It's about the product that we agreed to on the contract. And so I think that has helped stay out of like those personal spaces a lot more, is, um, you know, being more of that company face for the client, but then, Yeah, I don't, um, I'm trying to even think, like, I can't think of very many times when we would turn down a client, even in the future, if they met, I mean, frankly, if we knew there was a certain issue, it would probably be in addressed in the contract, and they probably just wouldn't sign the contract, you know, like, they would just be like, that's not something. Um, so there's, there's. Yeah, there's not many times that we have to turn them down. And usually, honestly, in production for us, we very rarely even have the client present. And so um, because of that, like we don't run into a lot of issues on production. Now, it depends on your clientele. Some people are going to have their clients present. And then there's a lot more conversations that happen. But for us, a lot of times, a lot of stuff happens in pre-production. And then we just shoot and then um, post-production is where they're involved again.
1: Yeah, i think that's usually how it ends up uh for me as well as the client's not usually quite as involved in the production of the project uh but then going back to what you said about what do you do when you know the you realize that you're you're dealing with a uh, troublesome client if you would um that can be difficult uh going back to my to the story i opened up with with the problem client um so they came back you know with a list a three-page list of of edits that they wanted you know third round in on revisions and i realized it was about that point that i wasn't i didn't originally start working with the decision maker and he had finally come into the project and so now we were trying to match his vision for the project with what we had actually shot and it was it was a hard match because the person that i had was working with definitely had a different take on the whole idea so we ended up doing reshoots you know we redid the narration Uh, everything to try to get it up to what his vision was but at that point it was worth it for me to work with the client Uh, they were okay with uh, adding in more more money to the budget to make it happen Uh, so I'm not sure you'd call that necessarily that big of a problem client I guess but uh, they were willing to work with me to make sure it happened and uh, to make sure that they were happy with the final result Um, yeah yeah yeah
2: I think um, so one of my um, producer icons, that's a weird way to say that, but anyway, one of the producers I look up to um, is Judy Groters from Groters Productions in Michigan, um, and so I know that they've faced issues like this, and like it just comes down to coming in the room and saying, if we make this level of change at this point in the project, and if you have a good contract up front, you can do this, then this is how much that costs. And so it's not that you're unwilling. And so I think that is, and Ethan, you're saying the same thing happened with you, but I've heard other producers uh, that I respect say that that's what they've done in different situations. And it's just really helpful for the client. The client doesn't always understand what costs you time and money. And so if you can just say, hey, this is the project we agreed to, and this is where we're at now, and this is the cost to, you know, change this or that, I think that's really helpful for even for them to be like, oh, okay, yeah, wow, yeah, to, you know, do VFX for half this film to change it. I see how that would be expensive, and you're like, yeah. So, you know, just helpful conversations like Yes, Yeah,
1: just communicating and educating is so good, because that's so often. Yeah, they're just like, oh, we just need, you know, a couple little tweaks. This won't take much time at all, right? Well, actually.
2: Can you change everyone's shirt color in the entire project?
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah,
0: so... I wanted to touch on something you brought up, Ethan, in terms of reshoots, Um, because I was a part of a project, I wasn't in charge of it, but where it wasn't even a problem client, but unfortunately, some of the key employees featured in the video had left the business between shooting it and the time that post was supposed to be done. And so then the client, you know, came back and was like, well, we don't want them in the video anymore because of that. Uh, You know, and I guess, you know, sometimes when you're dealing with non-video people, they think it should be easy for you to just go pluck other files off your drive and throw them into those spots and the video is good to go. So how do you kind of work with those clients to explain like why you need to do reshoots and why you know, it's going to cost what it does uh, so that you don't run into further problems there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess it goes back to really educating them and explaining what that process looks like or what it would take to achieve what they're looking for. And again, if you can give them an option of, hey, we could do it this way with the existing footage we have, but we only have this much content, so we're going to have to shorten the video or this is what it's actually going to look like if we just stuck with footage we have but we could, if we did reshoots you know we could add on this we could add the message of this and we could uh you know deliver more of what you're what you're hoping to get and then just trying to convince them that it's worth worth the time and money to to either add to the to the money or the time or the deliverables uh trying to balance that
2: we actually had this with a client that came back to us um after the film came out and we're like hey we've got to remove such and such person um that one john clay pitched them a budget and they ended up having an internal video person and it ended up being only like one clip and so they just pulled it out so sometimes they'll if, if it's small enough they they can sometimes and this was after of course they'll sometimes fix it on their own so we had that experience um but we haven't had to actually reshoot a promo yet
1: i'm impressed Nice. Good pre-production right there.
2: <laughs> well, there's, so there's another, there's another little trick. It's called getting the videos. We have a uh, fast turnaround. And so like we, like our contracts, we try to keep them as short as possible. We hit our mm-hmm. deadlines. If they miss their deadlines, there's costs on that side. But that does help because if you're turning a video around in four to six weeks, there's not a lot that can go wrong. And so um, that's also been a, that I know that has saved us on multiple occasions. Cause actually before I worked with RealCast, before John Clay and I were married, um, I did work on a project and it waited like six months to be distributed. And one of the nine um, videos had to be like ditched altogether because that person no longer worked with the organization. So it definitely happens. And I think the short turnaround really helps because then It's out there, it's posted and it has a date on it. And so things that happened after that aren't necessarily a reflection of them in the future because obviously it had a date and that's when this happened.
1: Yeah, that's a great point.
0: What do you do if a business that you didn't have like the greatest working relationship comes back to you in the future because they still really like the work that you made and they wanna work with you again but you're not too keen on, you know, dealing with that, like, you know, do you just lie and say my calendar is full, it's not going to work? Or, you know, what do you do so that you don't make them feel totally bad and burn a bridge, but avoid sure. having to work with a problem client again?
1: So I've done, I've done it a couple of ways. And one of them is you can charge more. So raise your prices to reflect the amount of work or effort it took you to actually pull off the finished project with them or I've also just referred them to other people in my area who I think would be a better fit or better match for who they are or what they're looking to accomplish because sometimes it's just a personality thing and maybe their vision and your vision don't always match too well and so they just need somebody else who can get on board with with what they're looking to accomplish more.
2: Yeah, I would say, um, I agree with those, um, that's, we, like, there was somebody who was like, hey, this certain company is looking for somebody, do you guys want to put in a bid, basically, and so, on that occasion, like, knowing the history we had, we were just like, nah, we don't need to put in a bid for that, so, like, they didn't come to us directly, directly, um, so, I think there's just there's a lot of factors that go into video you know and there's a lot of like Ethan saying time and so if they needed a lot of revisions or something then it cannot be worth their time to work with you again because you're gonna charge them for those this time around because of you know the change in scope or understanding better their needs and, and how that may or may not work so um, referrals are great I mean we have, I feel like there's sometimes, like, especially if we know that, okay, they're looking for something that's a lot more than someone can offer them. Um, there was one project we turned down because we want to serve our clients well. And what they were asking for, we did not feel was going to meet their actual vision of a finished product. And so we just said, sadly, because we walked pre-production with you and we know what you're trying to accomplish. Like we just, we can't take your money and not make what you guys have said you need. And so for that, so that did happen one time, but that one we had a really good history. And so I feel like it was even fairly amiable of it. Just like, we're just sorry, but we want to serve you and we don't know how to do that with the current way this is going. And so, So that's happened. Um, But for the most part, like, budget and time and those things can be the easier conversations. And you can truthfully, you know, find ways to say this is how much it'll cost or this or that and kind of help yourself out of some of that.
0: Another point, which we talked about, you both have mentioned, but, you know, putting stuff in the contracts to protect yourself um, from things that could become a problem. So I don't know if like, maybe there's any specific things that like, doesn't matter, you know, who you are, like you would recommend put this in the contract for every project.
2: One that comes to mind is when COVID happened last year, we had multiple contracts um, in pre-production And we did not have a force majeure um, where what happens if the contract has to be canceled by act of God or, you know, some cataclysmic event like covid. And so we did add that to our contract. So that's helpful. Um, And I think one thing that helped us think about is like when you've already put work into a project, um, like we are aware. Okay, let's say something happens to us health wise and we can't fulfill a contract. We'll hire people, we'll still get the work done, we'll keep our word, right? But but there are other outside things that we can't control. And so we had already done pre-production on to some things. So how do we um, kind of word some of that? And so thinking through force majeure and what happens if something gets canceled, either they cancel the project or cataclysmic world events, Um, Cause a project to be canceled that I think is really helpful and it's pretty standard for most contracts again We hadn't worked in something where we had ever faced that prior to this And so that was something we definitely added last year. Yeah,
1: no, that's great I think the big one that comes to mind for me and I might sound like a broken record here but is edit revisions and just just having that in there even if it's just you know this included with this is two rounds of edits and that's that's what's included. If you want more, you know, we have another tier, another platform that you can pay for, and that's included with however many rounds. And then as you're doing the project, just letting them know, keeping them you know, in touch. This is edit round one of two. That way they know, okay, so we're this far through. We better get all our edits in now before. And it's just an easy way to keep, keep them going and keep the project down to a, a realistic and a doable level.
2: We also have a project completion deadline, um, and that's really helpful for them and for us because it's signed on. And so it can't drag on forever, um, which is in everyone's best interest. But I think you as the creative helping have some of that there to say we're going to deliver and then get payment. Like if you're running this as a business, is just a super important and helpful um, piece of that contract to keep the whole project start to finish in a form, in a way that allows you to stay in business and continue to add these, or give these services to your
1: clients. Yeah, that's great. I also just want to mention that I don't actually send contracts to every single, for every single project that I work on. So if there's a client that I've worked with several times in the past, we have a great relationship. I'm not going to keep, you know, sending them contracts about things that they are already familiar with or that's not an issue in the, uh, along the pipeline. So, if I trust them and I know that they're gonna be a good fit um, from past experience or something, then it's not usually as big of an issue because it can sound intimidating if you if you're not doing a lot of, of uh contracts so that it's not something you currently have set up, um, it can't sound like a big deal to try to enact that.
2: yeah, and I would say like I feel like if if you're earlier in the business, like there's no reason to go and take every single legal line from everyone else's contract and build yourself a 30 page thing that you don't even know what half of it means. Like for us, our contracts are built over time as we grew a business. And so the contract grew with us. And so, but the other helpful piece of that is everything's there for a reason. And so when the client comes to you and is like, why is this here? You can very humbly and honestly say, because this has been our experience or whatever, but you have, a, you have a reason for why things are in there. And it's not just an endless pages because they told you it goes in contracts. So I think for us, like it has been helpful the way we've built our contracts. There are some basic things, delivery, budget, schedule, timeline that can go in the budgets, who owns the footage, like we have that. And again, we ran into that, right? Like, do they get a hard drive with everything or do they buy a final film? So our standard contract says they buy a final film and then we have a price on there if they would like to own all the footage too. So you add these things over time, but I like Ethan's point on that of like, you don't have to have this huge contract just to feel like you can take on a client. And most of your clients, like clients will trust you with more as you build. And so your clients or your contracts will get larger and will be more deserving of the legal jargon and like it grows with you, I feel like.
1: And I may or may not have done the one page contract with the see terms and conditions for details at the end and then not send terms and conditions. But if they ask, I've got them.
0: That's funny. I like that.
2: I also try to make ours feel like easy to read. So like the first page is like all the basic information you need. The films you're getting, the price, the deadlines, the... um payment schedule, like all of that's on one page. And then there's a couple pages that are a lot of just extra stuff that we've added, important legal stuff. Um, and then the timeline's even after that and the timeline is visual. So like trying to not make it a boring experience for them, um, but have all of it there, but arranged in such a way that is helpful for them to see, oh, this is what I really need to know. You know, some people, they just, they just want a video and so give them the video, you know? And other people, they're gonna read every line of that contract and they're gonna come back to you and ask you questions,
1: so. Yeah, no, that's true. And a lot of people, like she said, won't actually read through the whole thing or any of it. So making sure that you're communicating with them, not just assuming that they understand every page of that, make, just making sure that you're, uh, you're on the same page about it and then any key points that you've communicated verbally so that uh, you have that mutual understanding.
2: So, funny story here, I actually um, had, they were extras, extras signing a release form. And I actually had somebody like stand there and read the whole entire thing before they signed it. And um, so it it was just funny. It hasn't happened to me very many times. And so I was like, okay, you need to sign right here or whatever. And this is, like, the shortened version, so you just know, like, the major points. And most people, like, they don't even hardly look at it. Nope, she read every single word. So, which, I mean, I'm kind of nerdy, so I can appreciate that. But it was funny. I was like, oh, there's people who actually read this stuff. (laughs) I've
1: had a couple of those, too.
0: I liked your point of, you know, making sure, like, the deadline is laid out. Um, And I know one of the things sometimes, like, I've done in projects is... Uh, sometimes I've because like a deadline is so far out you know then I use that to be able to not to charge the client more what's in their budget because I don't have to like turn around and put a week or two right away to get the edit done um and thankfully this hasn't happened to me but I know people who when they've done something like that then in the process of post that decision maker leaves and a new decision maker comes in and so it's like a problem client not a problem client almost so like i don't know what's your take on you know is it better just to get it done right away so you avoid that altogether or are there ways to kind of if that does happen make uh the transition smoother
1: i quit and get a new job (laughs) (laughs) no seriously though uh yeah that gets that gets very complicated i think i've dealt with that once and for me it was pretty much you're starting over. This is a new project at this point because they've got a new vision. Uh depending on how far you go I mean if you've already shot, if you've already done production, then it's a little late for that. But uh yeah, it can completely change the scope or the vision of the project.
2: John Clay will literally like I'll put a deadline on something to try to give us some space of like, Oh, well maybe something'll come up and we, you know, want to take another project and so I'll just give us and he'll be like, No. Like I I want to have the meetings, I want to shoot the project, and I want to deliver the project, and it also gives us more space to say yes to other things on the other side of it, you know, like, if we know this is, the person calling you right now is the person who needs something right now, so let's get it to them, so that when a person calls you in three weeks, you can say, I'm available in a couple weeks from now, and it it has worked really well for our production flow um, to do it that way, but yeah, Decision Maker, I mean, it'd be all about, like, Like Ethan's saying, I mean, I mean, the ideal situation would be that they wouldn't, you wouldn't have the decision maker change or that they would um, have a similar vision, but there's no (laughs) promise of that. So we did have a project that spanned a year and a half or longer, but this was a client that we know really well. Um, he wasn't going to change his position, and actually his deadline got moved because of COVID, so that was p- part of the time of why it got moved. But he just he just likes to write you a check, tell you what the project is, and just say, hey, make sure it's done a year from now, you know? That's just how he works. And so on that one, we, we didn't rush production, but then once we started, we did everything in a couple months. So I think that's for us, like John Clay, like once he picks it up, he wants to do as much as possible right then. Um, It's, it's an efficiency principle too, you know, don't touch things more than one time. And so anyway, so we may we may have money that we sit on, but we just hold it aside, we have the contract. And then when we're ready to go, we do everything as quickly as possible. Um, And that would also save you that decision maker moment. If Let's say one guy signed the contract, but you don't really start pre-production for months and it switches out, you're still within a small window. So probably nobody will switch out during actual um, production of that project.
1: Yeah, and I think just in general, going back to the deadline thing, uh, it can be super helpful to have that deadline and have it soon. Because I know if you have the deadline too far out there, I mean, like Sarah was saying, but you also have the problem of they feel like they can keep coming back to you with you know more edits or more uh, more e- more cuts or revisions or whatever they need because oh there's plenty of time we got plenty of time for this so if you have a shorter time frame or a trick that that I've done before is don't start working on the project until you're closer to the deadline that way everything feels like it's in a more natural flow of okay here's production here's post-production and then we deliver you're not dragging it out over the course of several few months Uh, everything happens more consecutively and then you don't have time for you know the seventh round of revisions because well the deadline's there and we got to deliver this and i don't have that many extra rounds of revisions i don't know why i keep talking about it but uh, (laughs) it has been an issue in the past let's just say that
2: It can definitely happen. Yeah, the one project that went um, a year and a half, I think in pre-production, because pre-production spanned like a year, right? And then the actual production was a couple months. But um, I think we changed the project three times Mm. in that. And so we had three extra meetings and stuff like this. And again, he's a great client. And in the end, it actually made it simpler. And he's super happy. We're super happy. Like, it's all great. But, um, But I definitely, that time factor is just like, do, what did we talk about last time have, had I mentioned this idea to you and it just you know gets a whole, a whole train going so definitely those quicker deadlines help on all levels
0: for sure so those were kind of the main points I had so I don't know if there's any final thoughts either of you two have based off of anything I've asked or anything that's been said you want to share
1: yeah, I think I would just say uh majority of clients that I work with, I mean, they're fun to work with. They're great. Uh, I don't have that many problem clients, so I'm not not complaining in any way. I think that uh, a big part of making sure that you get through that and the relationship is good is just goes back to communicating and then helping lead them through the process. Because most of the people you're, you're going to work with, you know, they're busy professionals who are just trying to, you know, run their position or their, their company and whatever they're doing. So the easier you can make their job, the more you can communicate and be clear through that. Uh, the better the relationship's going to be, the better the project's going to go, and just the more fun you'll have throughout the process.
2: Yeah, I hundred percent agree with that. Um, one f- other note on client on contracts is that we, um, so now if someone is a new client, even if the type of work we're doing for them is say just editing or just color, because John Clay does post-production for part of our business. We always send a contract. um, And I have found that to be so freeing. Again, it doesn't have to be complicated, but some of those just basic things that you've talked through worked out and both people signing them. um, And they're super easy, free DocuSign stuff online. So that's not even hard anymore. But that has really actually given us and I think the client more freedom because we know the scope of things. So I would just say like some of those things being in place can just help your journey so much to have good, like back to what Ethan's saying, I mean, a a contract is a form of communication. So just on the contracts thing, I wanted to add, like don't be afraid if you are, whatever you're doing to be upfront and clear in some written form will always, always help, so. Um, In conclusion, yeah, I mean, our goal is to serve our clients best. And so having this journey laid out for them and having those clear markers along the way where they can say yes to the journey with us has been one of the most helpful things to make it enjoyable for us, but also to let them see the process with us, which is just more enjoyable for everybody because we feel like we're partners and not just making something that they then will use without connection. So video is just a cool opportunity to get to work with clients, and I love taking them along the journey, not just of producing a film at the end, but kind of along the way with us.
1: Nice. Yeah, I love that.
0: All right. So with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up this episode of the podcast so thank you both very much for coming on uh, the show today
1: oh yeah thanks so much for having me
2: thanks for having us Micah
0: and with that we're going to wrap up this episode of the producer podcast until next time make sure to subscribe to the producer podcast and thanks for listening